just ask that you minister to us from your word tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to talk about uh, changing uh, nations. And that's what God has called us to do. And uh, this is very important. God has called the church, that's every one of us, to change the nation one person at a time. Until you actually embrace this vision that God is giving to us, all you try to do as a Christian is to survive, just to live your Christian life and make hope, hopefully you make it. But is this, what we have is bigger than just trying to survive as a Christian. God is calling us to change the world one person at a time. Matthew chapter 28 makes that clear. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So that's our, that's our mission. That's what God is giving to us. To make disciples of all nations. To change the world one person at a time. You know, in the, in the scriptures, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, um, verse 14, it says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses the, its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under men's foot. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a, a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all. Who are in the house. Now, what Jesus is saying in the latter part of this scripture is to let you know what God has made you. God has made you the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are not going to be the salt of the earth. God has made you the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's what God has given to us. That's what He's made us to become. Now, if you read in First uh, Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six through twenty-eight, Paul was talking about our calling. It says, "For you see that your calling, you see that in your calling, there are not many that are wise according to the flesh. There are not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty." Not many noble in the faith. There are some that are mighty among us. There are some that are noble among us. But there are not very many. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the things that are wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things that are mighty. God also has chosen the base things of the world, the things that are despised, 
the things that are nothing to put to naught the things that are. And that's who you are. God has chosen you, even though you seem insignificant, you're looking at yourself, what can I do? I don't have what it takes. Well, God chose you, and he is going to confound the world through your life. That's the way it is. God uses the most unlikely people. The people that you will not choose. Those that feel like they don't even have what it takes to do it. Moses was one of those. Moses felt, I can't do this. What you're asking me to do is much greater than I am. I just cannot do it. Send somebody else. I can't talk. I can't do any of these things. But God chose his rod. God chose Moses' rod, which is a shepherd rod. And God says, with this, this rod in your hand, do signs. And you know that rod in, in Moses' hand was just a shepherd's rod. It was nothing. Moses had it all along doing a shepherd work in the desert. But God picked that unlikely thing and that rod became the rod of God. And through that rod, that insignificant rod, Moses gained the respect of the people of Egypt. Everyone respected Moses. Before long, that rod in his hand, as he used that insignificant rod, just a stick. Before long, the whole of Egypt was talking about, I believe they were talking about, the rod in Moses' hand. If he stretches it out, he becomes, the water turns into blood. We think about these things and we're thinking things were just going by and nothing was happening. There was rumor all over the place. People were talking about what's going on. This Moses and the miracles that he's, he's doing with that rod in his hand. So God uses things that are insignificant to do great miracles and great signs in the life of, he, of his people to turn his people, to bring people out of bondage into the land, the promised land that God wants them to go. Now, stones... Kids play with stones. There's nothing significant about stones. And when you go to war, you don't go with slings. When people are using shields, sword, and all of that, that's not the right weapon for warfare. In the life of David, even though David didn't know it, as he played with his sling and stones in the desert, God used five smooth stones in 1 Samuel chapter 17 to bring deliverance to a whole nation. In fact, when, when um, Goliath saw David coming at him, and David had just his shepherd's rod in his hand, his staff. And then the, Goliath saw nothing with him except the sling. And he's, he's, he's in his mind, he's saying, is this a joke? They're sending this fellow to me. Is this a joke? But David had found five stones that changed the whole nation. God used them. In the life of Samson, Samson was in a very difficult situation. The Philistines wanted him, and the children of Israel were going to deliver him. 
because they were servants and slaves to the Philistines. And Samson begged them. He said, well, now, I don't, please don't hurt me. I, you are God's people. You can, you can take me out. Just deliver me to them. And so they bound him with new ropes. And they said, we won't hurt you. I can imagine these people telling Samson, we, we won't hurt you. But Samson felt they could really take him out. He says, we won't hurt you. We'll just bind you and deliver you to our enemies. And Samson said, that's a good part. Just deliver me to them. I can handle that. And they delivered him. And when the, the Philistines rose against Samson, the Spirit of God came on him. But there was nothing else to do. There was nothing to use. All he found was the jawbone of a donkey. Just the jawbone of a donkey. And with that jawbone, something insignificant, God brought deliverance to the children of, of Israel. Another situation. A raven was a bird in the land of Israel that the God commanded the children of Israel not to eat. It was unclean. So they couldn't eat it. The raven, as far as the Jews were concerned, was of no good. But you see, God, in the time of Elijah, and there was famine in the land, and Elijah needed to eat after pronouncing the famine in the land, and God said, go to Brucheret and stay there, and I will send this bird, this unclean bird, that is of no use to the Jew, that's the bird that's going to feed the servant of God. Elijah's, survi Elijah's survival depended on the raven that was an unclean. So God can use simple people, insignificant people, to bring deliverance to his people and to the world. God can use that. Things that are insignificant, we need to believe God. When God says, that he is calling us to change the nations. He said, ask for the nations, and I'll give the nations to you as an inheritance. And I'm asking God, give me, I got this from Lorado, give me just 30% of the people of Cyprus. We got over 300, two, maybe 250 to 300 people in Cyprus, and more in Houston. Just give me 30%. We're going to believe God. That God can use us as a church to change the world. We have to believe this. Otherwise, all you'll be doing is praying for your own need, praying for your own survival, praying for your family. You're not thinking about the work of God, what God is doing on the earth today. What is God after today? What is Jesus' ministry in the world today? What's God's heartbeat today? God wants the world taken and brought to him. I shared that last week. That's what God is looking for. He needs family. And we are to change the world. And you are the salt of the earth. But the salt sitting in a bottle is not going to do any good to the world. Amen? Now, a man's shadow is nothing. What can your shadow do? Now, in Acts, the Bible tells us 
that Peter's shadow did signs. <laughs> Let me read this scripture to you. Shadow. Acts chapter 5, verse 15 through 16. It says, So that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. That's how powerful. We don't realize that, and I'm beginning to think, Peter was just a man just like us. God can still use you in a very mighty way. Peter, the one who denied Jesus, wept and back, brought back restored. Now his shadow all over the world had gone all over the land. And they wanted just his shadow to fall upon some of them. This is really interesting. Now look. In verse 16, it says, Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. This is the church. And I'm beginning to think something is not going right. People are chasing feelings and all of that. These are real miracles that God is still doing today. And God wants to use us. Take this rod in your hand with which you can do signs. Now, the surrounding region, everybody was talking about this. Everyone was talking about it. He has so many people, it's more than just touching his clothes now. All they wanted is line them up in the street, put them in bed, while this man, filled with the Holy Spirit, walks by and his shadow heals people. God can still do the same thing today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sickness is not for the house of the people of God. That's not for us. They need us. Amen. We are to bring healing to them. We are to bring light to them. And all this downing of the word of God, yes, but, yes, but, is causing us a lot of trouble. Because we are allowing things into our lives that shouldn't be. The things that we are supposed to deliver to them. Now I hear this song all the time. Uh, give me, uh, take the, what is it, take the world and give me Jesus. Is that the way they sing it? How you sing it? Take the world, give me Jesus. <laughs> the world doesn't have Jesus. The world cannot give you Jesus. You have Jesus, you give the world Jesus. We need to begin to realize this, that God has an agenda. And the agenda is bigger than us. We can, if we so give ourselves to what God has called us, God can so anoint us so that we can change the world one person at a time. We must look beyond the Ark Fellowship. And God can use us and fill this place. And people being saved. He said they brought people from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem because that's where Peter was. Bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits that they were, and they were all healed. In other words, Peter's shadow was casting out demons. <laughs> Think about it. He didn't have to even speak. Joseph's shadow was bringing deliverance to demon-oppressed and demon-possessed people. 
And Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. The thing is we are not seeking the same for God to do it. And when we seek, we're seeking for shadows and feelings. We're not seeking for great signs that people can talk all about, talk about all over and begin to come to see God heal people. We can touch people at a time. Now, you, you, the, in, dark, in the dark, you have no shadow, right? If it's all dark, you have no shadow. Your shadow only appears when the sun shines on, on you. So we should allow the sun of, of righteousness to shine on us. And he is shining on us. We just have an acceptance. He is shining on us. And behold, our shadows can bring healing to them and change the world. We need to accept that. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? God is calling us and he wants us to change the world one person at a time. You are the salt of the earth. You can bring change to the world. You are the light, not the light of, of Cyprus, but the light of the world. That's what Jesus called us. And he says, the time is going to come when there is no light. We must walk while it's day. The night comes when no man can walk. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as you are in this world, God has made you the light of the world. And your testimony, your word, your shadow can change them. Because the light of the world is shining on you and you got a shadow that can bring deliverance to the demon possessed. That's the truth. God can use insignificant people. People are no longer as excited about God anymore. And all we're doing as Christians is survival. That's really wrong. You don't see survival mode in the lives of the disciples. They had a mission. They took care of God's stuff and God took care of their needs. They didn't care about their lives. They were willing to let go of that. They wanted to die for the master and the master was willing to give them whatever they need to reach out to the world. And it came to the point where they said, these men that are turning the world upside down, they have come to our city. Remember that? Paul and Barnabas. These men that are turning the world upside down, they are now come to our city to turn our city upside down. How were they doing it? Preaching the message of God. Go, therefore, into all nations and make disciples of all nations. That's what God wants us to do. But Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. How valuable is salt? You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. For most of us, what we do with salt we like to put salt, at least that's what I do in my home. I like to put it in a clear bottle, right? But if the salt stays in the clear bottle, it will not give flavor to the food. 
is of no good as long as it stays in the bottle. It will only help what you want to eat and help you to enjoy it if you let that salt out of the bottle. You are the salt of the earth. You give flavor to the world. The world cannot enjoy life without you, the light or the salt of the earth. You are that salt. The world Christians do is we have all the salt in church. And we've taken all the salt out of the schools. And we put them in Christian schools. How will salt help salt? We put all the salt in church and then we have our glory time in church. That the salt is needed outside the church. That's what is going on in the church. You, get, you have to get the salt out of the bottle to help the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said. The salt is no good if it's lost its, its favor. Really. You have to let it go. He said you have to put it out and let men trample on them. Trample on them. Salt is very important. Let me read you this story, how important salt is. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, you don't want to lose your flavor. It says, this is the story of Elisha. It says, then the men of the city said to Elisha, Elisha, please notice, they are talking about the city. When God calls his people, we are only thinking about church. God is calling his church to change nations, to change cities, to change communities. That's what God's calling us to do. He says, the men of the city said to Elisha, please notice, we want you to notice this. The situation of this city is pleasant. Everything is good. As my Lord sees, as Elisha, as you can see, everything in this place is looking good. It's looking good. Cypress looks good. Houston looks good. Good things are happening in this place. He says, but the water is bad. And the ground barren. The water is bad. And the ground barren. And he said, bring me a new bowl. And put what? Salt in it. Bring me a new bowl. That's you. Amen. That's what God is saying. Bring me a new vessel, a new bowl. Not an old bowl. Bring me a new wine skin. And I'm going to do what? Put salt in it. The city is okay, but it's barren. And the water that they drink is bad. It's killing them. Give me a new bowl and some salt. It says, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said thus says the lord i have healed this water 
from me, there shall no more death. There shall be no more death or barrenness. Just because of the application of the salt. No more death or barrenness. So the water remained healed to this day according to the word of Elisha which he spoke. That's what Jesus is saying. Just to have salt in the bottle doesn't do any good. Just to have salt in the bowl doesn't do any good for the world. Doesn't do any good for the city. The salt has to be poured out. Put some salt in Washington, D.C., among the politicians. Take some salt to them and give them life and heal the barrenness and heal the death that's coming on the land. Take some salt and take it to the courthouse and change what's going on there. Take some salt, take it to the prison house and bring some salt to them. They need salt. Take some salt and put it in the university. Take some salt and give to the professor. Take some salt and go to the places that salt is needed. That's what we need to do. Don't bring them to the house of God and put them, he would do no good putting salt with salt. Take the salt, get it out of the bottle and get it out so that the salt will change the world. That's what we need to do. That's what the church needs to do. We are forgetting that God has made us the salt of the world and the world needs us. They have no life. They become barren and die because we refuse to pour out the salt, to give them the salt, and we have it. Amen? So we need to begin to rethink and change the world with the salt that God is giving to us. Now, I want to talk about the identity of the salt that God is give, that God is prepared that you who you are because you may be insignificant in your own eyes but God can use you greatly I wait for his time I'm believing God this is going to be a, this is eventually become a good work so what you see today is not what it's going to be I believe Calvary is going to explode with time I believe we're going to be planting more churches. We don't see it right now, but I can see it. Because we are going to go out. I wish this whole church, those that come on Sunday, will begin to get excited. When we begin to go out and we begin to bring, put salt in, in our community, you watch out what God will do with this community. You have what it takes. That's what it is. God made you the salt. You have the power and the influence to change. With Moses, what God gave him was the rod. You're looking for something physical to hold in your hand. God has made you the salt. You got it. And with that rod, he had influence over the people of Egypt and brought them out. But Jesus said when he came, he didn't say he was the rod. He was the light of the world, right? That's what Jesus called himself. And then he made us the right, the light of the world. And we can bring light to the world. We are the salt of the earth. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of 
the Son of His love. We have been delivered, that word delivered and conveyed, the word conveyed there means translated. Just like Enoch was translated. And now Enoch is with God. In the same way, we were translated, we were removed from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's own Son. Even though you live in the world, Jesus said, you are not of the world. If you are of the world, the world will love you. And so, just like Jesus came to our world to make a difference, you came into this world by the new birth to, break, to make a difference in the world. And every born-again Christian has this privilege. You can change the world. You have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, and you have been translated. So the powers of the kingdom of darkness has no bearing upon your life. They really cannot touch you. Unless you let it. You are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You have been taken away from the kingdom of darkness. Now you are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of light. The things that are happening in the kingdom of darkness have nothing to do with your life. They can't touch you. You are free from that. You have been translated, just like Enoch was translated, you belong to the kingdom of God. Right here, you are an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, I mean, in Acts chapter 19, verse 14, the Bible tells us, And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who went out to try to cast out demons and the evil spirit answered and said Jesus I know and Paul I know but who are you? Now they went out trying to cast out demons from this individual that was possessed and they said we cast you out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. <laughs> and the demons replied, okay, <laughs> let's consider this matter now, okay. <laughs> Jesus, I know. Paul, I also know that guy. But who are you? The point I'm making is this. Once you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness and have been conveyed into God's own kingdom, the Father God knows exactly who you are. He knows you as a person. Has nothing to do with your righteousness. He knows you personally. He knows your name. Jesus, the Son of God, knows exactly who you are. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. He knows you. He knows you as one of His, part of His kingdom. He knows you very well. Now guess who else knows? The angels also know who you are. Everywhere you go, they see you. That's one of our own. That's, he belongs to us. That's ours. That lady, that's, that's, that's a child of God. Special. And even the demons know who you are. 
they know that you are a child of God. Because God has called you to himself. You just don't know who you are. That's the problem. <laughs> you just don't know. And they know if you know who you are. They will respect Paul any day. They called him by name. Paul wasn't around, but they knew who he was. They all know. We know about that fellow. And I believe it's not just for Paul. For everyone who is born again, the demons know you. Every demon. We don't know where that demon came from, but this particular demon knew Paul. Even if Paul were in Ephesus, and this guy was doing this stuff in Corinth, those demons in Corinth still know about Paul. And that's an amazing thing. But what about you? The same thing goes with you. They know who you are. They know exactly who you are. Point made. What it is, is there is something in you that can change the world. The demons recognize that. God knows that. We just don't know it. And if we know it, we are not acting on it. We need to come out of the bottle and begin to change, change the world. In Colossians chapter 2, he says in verse 9 um, and 10, he says, For in him dwells all the fullness, that's in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, when you see Jesus, that's God. All the fullness of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus, that's the fullness. He is. But I like what it says in this verse. And you are complete in Him. You are complete. Not halfway. You are complete in Him. It don't matter how you feel. No matter what's going on in your life. God sees you as complete in Christ. And the demons see you as complete in Christ. When you show up, it's like Jesus himself showed up. That's why Peter's shadow is able to bring healing. Because the son of righteousness was on his life. We really can do this if we let God walk through us. We need to understand what's going on right now. Jesus has no other ministry. Jesus is never going to hold an evangelistic campaign anywhere. Jesus is not doing that. Jesus is not going to personally appear and bring healing to anybody. He doesn't do that anymore. Jesus has just one ministry. That's for you. I'm talking about who you are in Christ. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, Jesus doesn't condemn anyone, but he's seated at the Father's right hand, doing what? Making intercession for us. Jesus has no other ministry. He's right there in heaven, constantly, right there by the Father, and He's praying for you constantly. That's Jesus' ministry. He's never going to go out to preach anywhere. 
Jesus is never going to go out to hold any kind of campaign. That's ours. But while you go do that, he sits at the Father's right hand and he's making intercession for you. He's constantly praying for your well-being. That's his ministry today. Now, we need to join him in prayer. Your prayer may not mean anything to you. Your prayer, when you spend time praying, as you pour out yourself with the vision of reaching the goal that God has set for us, to reach out to the world and to change nations, we need prayer to do this. We need to be focused. Your prayer may mean nothing to you. Your prayer in your mind may be zero. Don't mean much. But we have in heaven someone that's constantly praying for us. Amen. His prayer is ever there. His prayer for you is eternal. His prayer for you must always stand. His prayer for you must always be answered. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're doing, if you are focused on His work, your prayer for Him cannot be zero. Through Him cannot be zero because He is one. His prayer is always there. Your prayer may seem zero to you. But take one, okay, and put zero in front of it. What will He give you? That's ten, right? Add another zero to that. What would he give to you? That's a hundred, right? Put another zero in part in front of that. But you get you got a thousand. Before long you got ten thousand. That's how powerful this is. As children of God, when we pray. And we're praying for the work of the kingdom. Nothing can stop us. When you get when you have the whole people in the Ark Fellowship praying, maybe all our prayers are zero, but we got one before us, amen? Because he lives, he ever lives. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, therefore he also uh, is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make what? Intercession for us, for us, for them. So he's always there praying. Our church, we really need to do two things. We need to have a vision of where God is taking us. And then we also need to pray. Because Jesus is also praying for us. We can change the world one person at a time. But you have to open your mouth. You have to be poured out. You have to share with people as we pray. I'm doing all of this because I want us as a church, and I will tell the whole body on a Sunday, we need to spend some time praying if we really mean business. We've been going to Calvert. We've been trying to win souls there. But we have to come in one night and talk to our staff. We have to come in and have an extended time of prayer. Jesus praying with us. And we add all our zeros to his one. Amen.
and, and, and see what God will do for us. But we have to have a vision. We have to believe God, that God can use the Ark Fellowship, you and I, to reach out to the whole, the whole of, uh, of Cyprus and Houston and Texas and the world. We have to believe that. If you don't believe that, all you do is to keep praying for your own needs. And what that is, is survival. Just to make it. That's not what God has called us for. He says, and you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you. For what purpose? To be witnesses to me first in Cyprus, then Houston, then Texas, then the United States, and to the ends of the world. That's our mission. We must never forget that. No matter what we do here in the Ark Fellowship, that must be primary. But we must not forget also to pray and add our prayer to our vision so that God can use us to change nations. I'm constantly thinking about this single individual, just one person, that God has used to change lives all around the world. They know them. Presidents know them. And I'm wondering, these are just human beings just like me. Why can't God use us? Why can't God use the people of the Ark Fellowship? Are we praying for our children that God will use them and make them mighty? We need to do that. We need to have that vision. This whole church, keep thinking about our our kids. That God, if Jesus tarries, we'll have a Billy Graham come out of it. We'll have one Aura Roberts coming out of our church. Amen. We have another Benny him. Regardless of what you think about this individual, these are some of the heroes, and they've given a lot. They're known all over the world. They've touched lives all over the world. And I have to keep encouraging myself, because I know the kind of God that we serve is never too late. It's never too late. God can use anybody if you will sell out to him and pour out yourself. Let God give you a vision tonight. Amen. Let God give you a vision tonight. Please don't sit and be barren. You got salt. Amen. You can't be barren. Your life can give life if you will step out and begin to touch lives. Let God speak to you when you are at your place of work. Let him share with you this person needs light. This person needs salt. And one person at a time. When God puts his light into their life, then that person goes and tells. And then the light keeps going on. It's one person at a time. But we must believe God for what he wants to do through us. Amen? Stand up with me tonight. I pray that those of you that are here tonight, you have a divine appointment with God. I pray that the message that you've heard, even though simple and ordinary. May God let this thing stay with you and burn in your heart to know that you are not ordinary, that God has put something in you that he called the light, not of Cyprus, the light of the world. And he is shining on you so that your shadow can bring healing to the world. 
pour out that salt so that barrenness and death can be driven out of the land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, turn from their wicked ways, he says, I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear from heaven. I'll heal the land. He only can heal us. But we need to be planted. We need to go out. We need to believe Him. I want you to believe God. We did this some time ago. Close your eyes and see you having kids, children, that you have brought to the Lord. You're here on Wednesday night because you have a heart for God. You have a desire to know more of Him. That's why you're here today. And God is having an appointment with you today. Don't just think of your own needs. He'll meet your needs. He says, don't worry about this thing. Seek first the kingdom of God. When this church sees you burning for God, others will join you. They also want to burn. And as you burn, others will want to come to watch you, to watch you burn for God. God wants to do that. Let this be a divine appointment. Many times we hear something and we're not, we, we just, I, that was a good sermon. That's, that's really silly. God, please. As I was preparing this message, I was crying out to God, God, please. My life. Right now, God, please. Let me shove everything away from me that was in there. I want to go out to God. I want to reach out to the world. I want to stand in cities around the world. First here, as a church, we're doing this together. Can you believe God with me tonight? Let Him give you a vision in your heart. To see those that have come to the Lord and they point out to you and say, that's the one that brought me to the Lord. Thank you very much. Thank you. And because of you, my family is changed. My children are Okay, now, we love God. We have peace in our home just because you came and you let God use you to pour salt on the source of our problems, the root of our problems. You gave them Jesus. Let's lift our hands up to the Lord tonight. Say to yourself, I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. Jesus, make me that. Thank you, Father God. I want to be used of you. Can you see the Father's face tonight? I don't want to be in a hurry. Sometimes we just want to hurry out of His presence. But the Lord is here tonight. Buy into His vision. Buy into His heart, His heart cry. Heart cry for the world. He needs people. Look into the face of the Master tonight. And tell him to shine upon your life. God, I don't want to be ordinary. I just don't want to be just a Christian, God. Just a Christian. I want to be a mighty man of God. 
do ordinary yes because of your life in my life a mighty man of valor according to your word let him touch your life tonight let him burst vision and excitement and desire in your heart tonight change my life tonight oh god Change my life tonight, oh God. Let me see the dying masses, oh God. Give me a desire to snatch them, snatch them from the jaws of hell and to bring them into the kingdom of God. So I'm not going to hurry up tonight. The Spirit of God is here. This is what God needs from every one of us. To help Him to reach out to His sons who are lost. To help Him to reach out to those that are without. Those that have no hope. Those that may die and go to hell, eternal hell, God has to give that to us today. He says, without me, you can do nothing. Jesus, we acknowledge that. Help us tonight. Birth your desire in our heart. Birth your zeal in our life tonight. Change our life tonight. May our lives never be the same, O oh God. For that passion from God, the one that made me to speak these words, I must be about my father's business. Pour that into our hearts here tonight. Make it a passion for the Ark Fellowship of God, not just church, not just church, God, but reaching out to the dying, oh God. Help us, oh God, as a church. In Jesus' name, help us. Help us as a church. Open our eyes. Take the blinders off our eyes, oh God. Thank you, Father.